0: We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars, but we won't. We're slowly learning that fact, and we're very, very pissed off. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I know it's been a minute. Uh, but, uh, look, you know, I only do this when I get the house to myself, so, you get what you get, right? Like, um, you know, that's the problem with the pandemic and all. Like, there's not, there's not as many reasons to get out of there, or not, not as many chances to get out of the house. Uh, when, uh, you know, the out, the outside can kill you. <laughs> so, uh, the music this time, uh, H. John Benjamin. Uh, you might remember him from such television shows as Archer, where he plays Archer, or from Bob's Burgers, where he plays the titular burger. No, wait, Bob, he plays Bob. I am sure you know who he is because if we are friends, I have bored you to tears with uh, how much I enjoy him. Now, You're probably asking yourself, why are we listening to bad piano playing? Well, this all ties into today's theme. But uh, in, in the meantime, what I can tell you is, H. John Benjamin, for whatever reason, decided I am going to take piano lessons for like, I can't remember what he said, it was something like six weeks. It was a very short amount of time. And then he said, I am going to write an album, create an album of jazz music, um, and in which I am on it and I am playing piano. And what makes this all particular, well, and, and it's, he knows he's bad, right? And, I, and that's definitely the point of it, but it's also insane. And you know, this is what you do when you're a rich person is you, rent a studio, you hire musicians, and you release this thing that's just shitty. The great part about this being jazz, and I think, you know, why he picked jazz is because it doesn't have to feature him exclusively. And I think that's kind of a neat offset uh, where it's really, really good musicians who are doing the bulk of the work, and then he just comes in and lays down a turd of a solo. So, um, if he, you know, if he, and, and plus, in jazz, he doesn't have to really write a song he doesn't have to write lyrics he doesn't have to write a melody you know he doesn't have to do any of that he just has he can just hire a jazz trio and just be like do you guys have a a melody that you can play then we could loop through a couple of times and then i'll solo you know it's it the format is much more forgiving for this sort of nonsense enjoy Um, lots of stuff has happened, um, not, I'm not gonna obviously cover politics because whatever, uh, I, I don't know enough, uh, but the one topical thing ripped from today's headlines that I will comment on is Will Smith attacking Chris Rock at the Oscars, and what, my, you know, lots of people have talked about it and whatnot, and uh, my only hot take on this is, although it's not particularly hot, is that he, he, there were, like, if it was me, right? Like, I have certainly been in situations where I'm thinking I should say something, I should do something, but then there's always that part of my brain that's like, oh, you know what, you're at work. You probably don't wanna go off of this person at work, even though I have done that, which was not great um you know and 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 what's so amazing about this whole thing is that none of it stopped Will Smith right there's so many barriers like mental barriers that would have stopped a normal person uh you know the idea of like I am at a work event you know because the, the Oscars are essentially you're at work, right? You're all, everybody who is in attendance are people you could potentially be working with. That's that's what this is. And then, okay, so that didn't stop him. I, I'm at work. That's okay, I'll do this anyway. Um, I'm in a room full of people. Like, you know, if this was a work function and it was like five people, okay, you know, uh, maybe I'll say something, right? But it's a packed theater of people. Nope, didn't slow him down. Um, uh, um, uh, It is televised. There are cameras. Uh, This is being broadcast all over the world. Nope, didn't slow him down. He just marched right up on stage and was like, I'm gonna brawl it out. Wow, that's just, this is how you know you have been too famous for too long. When you think you can do stuff like that and there will be no repercussions, that's, that, that, that has to be the biggest reality check of them all, is like, oh, right, I, I am not, the world does not revolve around me. Some, so many people have been saying that um, this is sort of something that is kind of imprinted on you in being a Scientologist, which I had never heard about. Um, but yeah, apparent like this is this is what they say about Tom Cruise and about like why he yelled at that guy for uh, violating COVID protocols is because this is some part of of uh, being a Scientologist that they ingrain in you that you're supposed to I don't know uh, uh, be realize your true self and. E-meters, I I don't know. Uh, I I don't know if any of that's true, but I, you know, they are both Scientologists. So there you go. Yeah, see now they're the real musicians. Uh, Anyway, okay, so one of the things, speaking of the pandemic, um, we went to Legoland and we went to Arizona to visit uh, Miriam's aunt and uncle, Bunny and Gary in in their retirement home. Not not a home where you retire. I mean it's a home that they live in, but it's not a retirement home. It's the home that they that they inhabit in their retirement. Yeah, anyway, doesn't matter. Um it is stunning to me that I did all of that and did not get covid, right? Because we were in the hotel barely anybody's wearing a mask it's packed i mean it's a it's it's a busy ass hotel no barely any masks um you know be going to the park flying all this stuff and we're going you know both uh carlsbad california the home of legoland is uh probably it, it i think it's it, it's outside of san diego about 45 minutes so it might be a little more right wingy uh than i am used to uh certainly there was a guy there in line and one of the rides <laughs> with a shirt with the american flag on it and it was a a, a shirt where each row uh of the flag each stripe of the flag was represented by a different kind of firearm and you know here's the red row of shotguns the white row of handguns the uh red row of ak-40 or not ak-47s that's russian oh we wouldn't want that we want american-made handguns yeah fire gun gun fire fire um yeah and i you know who knows he's probably he probably isn't from Carlsbad because I I doubt, I mean, who knows? Maybe the locals go there a bunch. I know the locals in Anaheim go to Disneyland a bunch because they get a a, a decent deal on the tickets, although goddamn, it's still expensive. But, oh man, let me tell you about Legoland. Legoland is, you know, it's like the shittier version of Disneyland, right? With one major exception. So at Disneyland, the way they handle the um fast passes is you have to you have to like go to a ride and then you have to ask it for the fast pass and then it gives you a time and it's 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 pretty labor intensive and it's you know rightly so they want to limit the amount of people who get fast passes, right? Because if everybody's got a fast pass, well, then nobody has a fast pass. So fast pass, fast pass, fast pass. Point you say it enough, and it just loses all meaning. It doesn't even sound like words anymore. Fast pass, fast pass, fast pass. But the way Legoland does it is they sell uh, a thing called like. Quick ride. Who cares? It's it's their version of Fast Pass. Fast Pass. Fast Pass. Fast Pass. And with it, you just go into the app and you're like, oh, I want to ride this ride. And you click the button and then you go stand in the Fast Pass line. And there's it. There was there was one ride we rode all the time, and it's one of these drop rides where it's you know uh, it's just a. It's just a big stick in the ground with some seats on it, and then they shoot you up, and then you fall back down, and it's great, I loved it. Uh, it wasn't too high, it was only about, you know, maybe 25 feet in the air, so, you know, just the right amount of height for me, but it had a line, right? It was, it was a very popular ride, and um, there we were standing in line, and this woman says to her kid, who is, she's not in the Fast Pass line, she's in the, the, the regular, the, the commoner's line. And she says to the kid, like, are you excited to be on this ride? And I couldn't hear what the kid responded with. And she said, well, we've been in this line 25 minutes. you better be excited. And she wasn't being a jerk about it. But the reality was is yeah, they were in the line for 25 minutes. I was in the line for two minutes, if that, maybe even 30 seconds. I just, we just walked in, showed the lady and and everybody that's in the fast pass line goes on the ride before the commoners, right? And so you just, you know, you could be next in line. And if people show up in the fast pass, they get they get right on first. And oh my God, On the one hand, it is, it is, um, a privilege at its finest. I mean, at its most crystal clear, because all we did in order to get that is we paid, I don't know, like 20, 30 bucks a person for that. So if you're going to Legoland on a budget for whatever reason, and you don't feel like you can afford an extra 30 bucks... You're in the commoner line. But if you're a man of privilege like myself, uh, yeah, you just, pay. Hey, you don't even think about it. You're like, oh, yes, we are getting that because that is the only way to do this. I, My time is worth something that I feel that, and oh my God, it is, and you get to do so much more stuff, right? When you go to Disneyland, even with the Fast Pass, you are riding... I don't know, four, five rides if you're there all day because you're still sitting in a ride in a line for a ride for minimum an hour. Whereas god, we we rode rides all damn day. Uh you know, some rides we'd get off, we'd hit the fast pass button and we'd get right back in line. Now the fast pass does at Legoland, it does have a timer on it. So once you get on the ride and you, you know, exit the ride and you hit the button again, it says, oh, you have to wait, you know, I think it's like five minutes or something. Uh, But a lot of these rides, the fast pass line is long enough where that five minutes will expire while you're standing in line. So you don't ever have to get out of line. You can just wait and then, uh, you know, you'll go on next. but yeah, it's it is, it is it's great because I get to do this, but I do, it does, it feels a little unsettling to be like, you know, stand by commoners, I will, you know, your king shall get to go on ahead of you. You know, it's, it's, it's weird. So I I don't I don't know if I would recommend Legoland. I mean it's it's fine. Um, I, I enjoyed the rides that we went on. We certainly got to ride more rides than I would have going to Disneyland. Um, we, there was only one ride that broke while we were there, uh, which with Disneyland happens all the time. It rides break down. I was. We, we were in line at the cars ride. I think that thing broke like three times while we were sitting in line. So, in that regard, oh, you know, that's the other funny thing about Legoland 2 is um, you see a lot of service people walking, not military service, thank you for your service, but, but people who work and fix rides and stuff walking around, and all of them seem to have a limp. As if... Maybe at one time in their life, they were at Disneyland and then they were in an accident and they couldn't perform as well or up to the Disney standards or something. And so now they're at Legoland and it's still a living. It's still an honest living and gosh darn it, these people are doing doing the Lord's work. Uh, thank you for your service. and uh, But still, it's... It's, it feels like, well, but you know, you're not in Anaheim anymore, you're in Carlsbad. So, all right. So, also on this trip, like I said, we went to visit Bunny and Gary. And Bunny and Gary, you know, they're older. Uh, Gary has had a series of health problems. one of the reasons I went uh, this time is because Miriam was like, you know what, he's not doing great. Um, he, maybe, maybe you should check in on him, you know, just see him in case this is the last time. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, that's fine. And honestly, though, we had a great time while we were there uh, because they live about an hour outside of Phoenix, and, you know, it's got a very Sedona vibe to it. it when you're at their house, right? Because their house overlooks mountains and you can be out there and, and the weather was not ungodly if you're in the shade and, you know, there's lots of birds and, and quail, which is a bird, I know it's a bird, You know yeah. Uh, uh, but, you know, and it's, it's so relaxing. If, if, if you were to retire there, now, keep in mind, you know, fast forward two months, there is no going outside. You know, you go you go outside, it's 90 degrees at 8 a.m. Uh, I don't know if I could handle that. And of course, you know, you are so remote. You are so removed from everything and everyone else that there is, um, you know, you can't ride your bike to the something store, right, like that's out of the question. And you certainly can't do that in the summertime either, because again, you don't go outside. But it's also, you know, right-wing gun nuts who live there and it, It makes me so wildly upset when I see somebody with, you know, uh, I saw a couple of people with uh, Let's Let's Go Brandon hats, which is a right-wing Republican thing that I actually had to look up. Uh, Apparently, there was a NASCAR event that Joe Biden went to after he won the election, Uh, or maybe he was running. I, I think he must have been running. Uh, and um, there was a rousing chant of fuck you, Joe Biden, that went on. And when asked his, his press secretary was asked about it and he said, no, no, they were chanting, let's go, Brandon, because there was a, a driver in the race named Brandon. So, you know, I saw a couple of those and I've, I've certainly seen other Trumpian things or not but Republican things in past visits when I've gone out there that I don't like uh, and it makes me mad uh, and so I don't want to live in a place where I'm constantly getting mad because someone wears an article of clothing that pisses me off uh, so I can't I can't move to Arizona. I would love to be able to sell this million dollar house that we live in and cash out and never have to work another again another day in my life. But I'm probably going to be alive for a little while longer. At least till Gary's age of 70 whatever that he is, you know, and I don't want to live another 20 years being mad every time I go to the grocery store. Um, and plus I, you know, there's a lot of stuff around here I really love, so I, I, I don't, I, I would love to move to somewhere cheaper, but on the same hand, God, you can't beat it here. So maybe I'll try and stick it out. There you go, there's a little taste of how bad his piano playing is. Um, so, um on LinkedIn, so I am trying to find another job. Um, I, this job is too stressful and I don't like it and it's very reactionary. Uh, I mean, I'm in support, so it's all about like, you know, you you don't have anything to do unless something breaks or somebody complains and then it's nobody, nobody can wait. It's always, everybody's gotta do everything right now because I get it. Money's on the line, right? You know, if something breaks, it means they're not able to bill their customers and they're losing money. All right, I get it. So I'm in LinkedIn a lot more than usual, just trying to see, you know, what's going on, what jobs are available, all this stuff. And somebody posted, you know, there've been a lot of people who post in LinkedIn about how they... Uh, you know, just closed the biggest deal of their life and they woke up at 5 a.m. and and emailed all their contacts and, you know, by noon they were speaking at a conference. You know, it's just all of this, like, look how great I'm doing type of stuff. And even those jobs, even those posts that aren't that, if you look at LinkedIn, All anybody ever does is post about their successes. Nobody ever really posts about their failures until one person wrote a post on LinkedIn about all the things that they had not done, right? They didn't get up at 5 a.m. They didn't close their biggest deals. And like, you know, most of the people in the comments got it. They, you know, they thought it was funny and they recognize that LinkedIn is a problem in this way. And you know, most of the other comments were things like, oh yeah, I woke up at 5 a.m. because the garbage men were sliding my garbage cans right outside my window as they picked up my garbage. Thank you for your service. Uh, and you know, but people got it. Except for one person who, um, his first sentence in response to this was, you are normalizing mediocrity, and I and I found that hilarious. You know uh, that he is so mad that we should recognize the fact that, um, yeah, that that stuff is uh, is not every day is a success, and and most of us cannot be held to this insane level of productivity that the reading LinkedIn wants us to. And that sort of gets to the topic of today's discussion. Um, The title of this episode is Mean. Um, I'm sure most of you will read it and think like, mean as in anger that I feel towards the Republicans that I see at the at the sip and save with the MAGA hat on. But no, actually, that's not what I intended it to mean. What I intended it to mean was mean, meaning the arithmetic average, right? Because in, uh, in math, there are three types of averages. There is, um, mean or there's mode which i believe is the most common there is median which i believe is the one that's directly in the middle um so if you have you know if you sort a bunch of values in either ascending or descending order uh the one that's you know if you have seven of them it's the fourth one that's your median uh, but mean is the one that we all care about and use, which is the arithmetic mean where you add all the values together and you divide by the number of values you have, and then that's your mean average. And if and the reason why I titled that, I like that title for this episode is because it's, I, I think I'm quite clever for picking it um, because uh i've been wrestling lately with being average um so oh just to finish up that linkedin story so then what i did i really loved the term normalized mediocrity and um so i made a shirt that was that said normalized mediocrity on it but More importantly, I did it in the most mediocre way I could. So I didn't, you know, use, um, I didn't use any kind of professional art program. There's no Photoshop. I just opened a Google doc and made black lettering. I only used the fonts that they had available in the Google doc. I picked one that I thought looked nice. So I'm not, intentionally making it look shitty, but I'm also not going out of my way to make it look great. So I'm essentially doing the middle, right? I'm, I'm, I am doing the mediocre response to this. I am not going above and beyond. Uh, And so, and then I got this iron-on transfer, um, which is, completely misleading on the packaging. You know, the packaging makes you believe like you can just print out anything and then whatever you print, you can magically transfer to a shirt. That is not the case. What it does is you take whatever you want, you print it out on this paper and the paper and everything become a giant iron-on. So if you want to create, you know, if you want to create this really fancy logo and then iron it on your shirt, you have the option of, well, we're just gonna buy a white shirt and then that white paper will be on non-noticeable on the white shirt. Or if you want a colored shirt, you have to hand cut with an X-Acto knife, everything, all the white paper out of uh, the thing that you printed out, which I'm like, nope, not doing that. So (laughs) I just, uh, yeah, I just have a white square with, the, the, the logo on it and I made it shirt and then I posted it back on the LinkedIn profile and people thought that was cute. Um, but in terms of being average, um, I, I, I am beginning, you know, it's funny. I, I am beginning to feel more and more average as time goes by. I really thought uh, I was something amazing. And uh, <laughs> turns out that nah, is not the case. Um, and I get it. Like I'm, I'm better at some things than others. But in the realm of things that people will pay me to do, I'm very average. Um, and it sucks <laughs> because I am stuck in these jobs that. You know, the pay is fine. It's average, you know. I'm not, uh, I'm not making a ton of money. I'm not, you know, struggling. I'm, uh, you know, I, I, the the real reason I I began to feel this way is um, because of the Amazon job. I, a few episodes back, uh, in October, I believe, I was talking about trying to get a job at Amazon and their feedback, it was just, I mean, it was interesting. They gave me real feedback about why I didn't get the job. And Am- one of Amazon's main principles is they always want the next hire to be that person. They want that person to be more exceptional than the last person they hired. So they're always hiring better and better people and they stick to it. Like They're not hiring people just to hire people. Like They will only hire people who they feel are more exceptional than the last. And their feedback that they gave to me as to why they didn't hire me was essentially, we already have a bunch of people like you. Um, we don't need more of you, which I sort of interpret it to feel like they're saying that, yes, you are average. Uh, you, 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 we, we have a lot of you. Yeah. You are not that special. And, uh, one of the things though, that, that the, the people I was interviewing with at Amazon, one of the things they said was, you sound like you are scrappy. And I think that's true, right? Like, and I meet people like this all the time. When When I was working as an intern for Atlantic Records, it was really evident that it seemed like the bands I was talking to had either one or the other. They were either scrappy and hustlers and wanted to shove their demo tape into my hand and um, would harass me, uh, uh, you know, about updates, about, have you heard from the label yet? You know, we, oh, we, you know, whatever they need, we can give them, you know. And then the people who were talented, I would harass them uh, to try and get a tape or try and see their show. and and they were not responsive, right? They didn't have that part of them that realized that you can't just wait and sit back and have somebody just give you a bunch of money because you played a show once, you know? You have to have, you have to be scrappy to like, get the next job and to, you know, edit it, make a video, learn how to make a video, edit a video together, put it online, uh, get an emailing list. Like you have to do all of that stuff if you wanna build a career in show business. You cannot just rely on making a good thing and having people just show up. because you have to tell them. You have to tell them where you're going to be. You have to tell them that you have uh, something that is uh, newly released. And it's funny too, because when I was work, when I did that um, SF Sketch Fest thing, um, Kevin McDonald from Kids in the Hall, uh, they, he, he was talking about that, that exact thing, that when he was with the Kids in the Hall, um, they they would meet once a week and they were expected to show up with sketches and uh, you know it didn't have to be a full thing but it had to be it had to be you know something uh, and and then based on the results of that and he said you know there would be one guy You know, like Mark McKinney or whoever, like, uh, you know, he'd be, uh, he'd always come with something. You know, maybe it would only be one sketch, but it was always good. And then there was Scott Thompson, who would come with like 20 sketches and nobody liked any of them. And then there was Bruce McCullough, who was the magic mix of both and he would come with a lot of sketches and all of them were great. And then I realized Kevin McDonald is me in that he is the scrappy one. So he had a story that he would, you know, he would go, he would talk to one of the cast members, like a Mark McKinney, and he would say, hey, what are you doing tonight? And he'd say, Oh, it's, you know, I'm nothing special. I got a bunch of laundry I got to do. Um, so I'm probably just going to, you know, do that. And then Kevin McDonald would be like, Great. What time are you doing your laundry? I'll come and do laundry with you. And so what Kevin McDonald was doing was using laundry time to write sketches. And um, there, you know, there, <laughs> there was a, you know, and, and, it wasn't. It was all very informal, right? It was just like let's hang out, and then maybe just by the sheer act of hanging out, and we can talk, and then maybe something will come out of that, and then we can take that to the group next time, and like, like let's let's do this. Let's keep this engine going, um, and that's you know really super valuable, and and uh, I, I I I I it's. It's good that he is the scrappy one, but he cannot make it. Like, you know, you notice Mark McKinney, or or, I'm sorry, Kevin McDonald, Kevin McDonald is not lighting the world on fire uh, because, and I hate to say it, I think he's super talented, don't get me wrong. Uh, But you notice there is not a lot of Kevin McDonald in the universe because he's, he's got more scrap than talent. Uh, And so he can work with a group of talented people and get them to be motivated and moving, but essentially scrappiness is his main thing. Um, So, you know, I'm titling uh, the name of this podcast is Mean, and I keep thinking about being scrappy and could I... is, Is there a job in which... It reward Like, the sheer job itself is dependent on scrappiness, right? Like, you don't have to have any other talent other than that. And I think probably... Um, it, I, I think that the job... I mean, I, I came up with a couple of ideas. It doesn't really matter what they are. But it, it is interesting how that it isn't really a job, right? Like being a professional scrappy person isn't really a gig. Uh, You have to have other things in there as well. Uh, And it's, anyway, so um, I, I titled this episode Mean and I thought, mostly I thought about it in terms of a book. Like how fun would that be to name a book about being average mean. And then um, and then I thought, oh, okay, maybe I can write that book. Maybe I'll do that. And I'm like, uh, except for the fact that you can't write a book just because you want to, or being scrappy about it. Like, you do have to have things to say and it has to be entertaining and it has to be you know it has to be more than just that. So uh, that is I will not be writing that book um, unless unless I do I can think of something that's like okay, I'm scrappy. these are these are these are the ways you can make it in the world if scrappy is all you've got. I don't know. Maybe I'll. Maybe maybe I can come up with um, something um, about that. Um, yeah. So anyway, here we are. Uh, <laughs> uh, I guess I'm just gonna have to keep scrapping it away for the next. I don't know, ten years until I'm allowed to retire. So, from me, from. Uh, the music of H. John Benjamin, who is doing the best. I mean, that whole album is just about being average. Uh, And so, good for him, he made it work somehow. Uh, From the music of H. John Benjamin uh, and Bright Brown, legitimately talented musicians, let's do this one more time. Till then!